0: The date is Friday, January 15th, and you're listening to Entertain This, a thought-provoking podcast encapsulating all things entertainment. Today we're discussing a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. He's a man who's changed the face of television for children, had a profound influence on the world, and is just downright wholesome. We ask that you'll be our neighbor and listen along to this episode as we talk about Mr. Rogers and his neighborhood. Enjoy! Welcome,
1: ladies and gentlemen, back to the second episode of 2021. You're listening to Entertain
2: This. Entertain This.
1: I went a little wild on that one. I was going to say, it went so wild
2: it cut out from Discord. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my bad, guys. It's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we're still using Discord because we're social distance recording. Mm -hmm, (laughs) mm -hmm. Uh, But I did say, I'm Alex.
2: I did say, I'm Michael. I didn't say I'm Nick.
1: Well, you should have. Oop. Uh Nick, you brought us a little special treat for uh, the second week of this brand new year. Wow. Um, and I'm I'm excited for you to uh, to indulge us in it.
0: Yeah, it's it's been a it's been a different day for a lot of us. It's been a, a dark day, maybe some might say. We're not going to talk about it too much here, but I'm going to start out with a little little question, little brain tickler for you all. I want to know. How are Mister Rogers' Neighborhood and Saturday Night Live connected? Hmm.
1: Because last week that's what we talked about. That's clever. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so I I said already in trying to figure out this little mind riddle that Tom Hanks plays uh, the famous Halloween character on SNL. Um, something pumpkins, but I don't remember what the first name is. Because? What's his name? I don't know. So I help. Michael help
2: some pumpkin, I don't know.
1: Wow, guys, we <laughs> suck.
2: yell us
0: on Twitter when you figure it out.
2: I'm sorry, I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of sNL.
0: <laughs> well, you should <laughs> that's Alex's uh forte
2: <laughs> You could say his will forte will forte <laughs> <laughs> that was Did he? no.
1: I'm already in the process of Googling it. It's David S. Pumpkins, so David nobody Pumpkins. tweet me. I don't want to hear about it. I know it. All right, guys, don't tweet can't us. I think when, under, when I'm being recorded and I'm under pressure. Anyway, as I was saying, um, Tom Hanks plays David S. Pumpkins on SNL and also played Mr. Rogers is how I connected uh,
2: them.
0: Okay. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Well, let me give you the actual answer before we... Well,
1: Michael has to guess.
2: Michael, you want to guess? Let Michael, I'm sorry. I guess the same let thing Michael as play the game. Okay, you're gonna double down. <laughs> you want to do double jeopardy like that? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure Tom Hanks also hosted SNL at some point, and then he played Mister Rogers. So there we go.
1: Okay, but but what if we? What if Tom Hanks wasn't a, a part of the answer then?
0: <laughs> what if What if Tom Hanks was the sixth cousin of Mister Rogers? But that's not the actual <laughs> that's answer. Also, that's that actually, actually true. That's
1: Is also true. Um, Were they both produced by the same people?
0: No, 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 nope.
1: Oh, is it uh, Jim Henson?
0: Jim Hinton, no, no. Uh, I mean, you could argue that. But the answer I was going for, the actual Daily Double here, was that um, Eddie Murphy did a bit called Mr. Robinson's Neighborhood.
1: Oh, that, okay. That that would have been my third guess. It was um, where he did, like, the ghetto version of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he did that, and then Mr. – I think they actually met at one point. And Mr. Rogers walked up to him, he's like, you know what, that's pretty funny, actually. A couple parts aren't so funny, but I thought it was pretty good. Well, well, well done. Give him a little pat on the shoulder. I don't know what he did. I don't have footage, but... uh, He was a lovely man. Lovely guy. And he's actually the topic of today's show.
1: I'd be surprised if he wasn't, considering how much time we've spent on (laughs) it.
0: But we made it to a new year, right? It's 2021, solidly. We're, we're in this new year. year. We're in a new year, new, uh, new episode. New
1: year, same same podcast. Same podcast. <laughs> Guys, we haven't changed at all. I wish we would have uh, <laughs> developed in a couple of days since 2020, but uh, unfortunately not. We're still the same people, the same sense of humor. So yeah. if you didn't like us before, you're not going to like us now. Sorry. <laughs> Try again next year, I guess.
0: Entertain us, please. Please listen. Um, but... <laughs> Maybe you've uh, made a resolution or two that you're not going to do. I haven't, Um, but maybe you've spent a couple of brief minutes reflecting on years past. I think it's only natural that during the winter months, we take some time alone to think about our pasts and look towards the future. After all, it is because of our pasts that make us who we are in the present. And how do we know how we're doing in comparison to our past selves? What is the measure of life? What is the yardstick by which we can gauge how well we're doing?
1: Um, You can measure it in love. Okay. If rent taught me anything, Uh, in in daylights and sunsets and midnights and cups of coffee, Mm -hmm. in inches and miles and laughter and stride.
0: Okay. Or you can. I
1: got a musical theater degree. Did you know that? (laughs) No, I did not. That's a lie. I didn't, I didn't actually get it, but I, I got far enough into the program to know what rent was.
0: Rent. Okay. That's what it's from. All right. Thank you for filling me in. Um, do we compare ourselves to Jesus, our neighbor, an influencer on social media? Whoever you look to, none of us could be here today without somebody without some kind of help from another person. There are those out there that say, Oh, I'm a self-made man. I don't need nothing from nobody. But as we know, this brand of rugged individualism is a myth. Even the strongest and most independent of people have had at least one person to pull them along from one point or another, whether that was a parent, significant other, co-worker, or a guy on TV. So I'd ask you to join me now, be my neighbor, and keep that special person in mind as I ask you to entertain this episode talking about Mr. Rogers.
1: You know, you used to be so creative with making entertain this the end of your intros. <laughs> now you just kind of say the title of the intros.
0: It's hard to do, man. <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to
2: watch Mr. Rogers. It's a kid's show, right? Fair enough. It's a kid's show. Eh, we could all use a little Mr. Rogers right now, so I wouldn't put it past people.
1: <laughs> I agree with that entirely.
0: True, Dan. But that person you thought of is probably somebody you keep pretty close to your heart, most likely. So I'm not going to ask you to tell me who that person is. But for me, a large majority of my life would have been vastly different if not for one kind-hearted man on the TV one morning, Mr. Rogers. So what are some shows that you remember watching in your early childhood?
1: Uh, Cyber Chase. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Chase, they're moving, they're beating Hacker and his gang. Yep.
2: I remember yeah, that. that one, what is yeah. I don't then, remember that. What is that?
1: And then there was there was the end uh the end scene that was always educational and it was called Cyber Chase for Real. <laughs> and then it was like the voice actor for Cyber Chase like oh. doing something in the real world like going to the zoo. Was this mm-hmm. that show
2: that had like the really like early 90s CGI like char- characters and Zabumafu? No, 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 no. no. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of a like er- early 90s show that was like a cartoon but the cartoon itself was like Really, really badly made, like early '90s style 3D animation. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Are you
1: sure it was a kids' cartoon? Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. think yeah. Of a cartoon <laughs> on Adult Swim that was like that. No, yeah. no,
2: no. It definitely was not Adult Swim. Um, but
1: was it on PBS?
2: I don't, dude, I don't know. It's been so long. <laughs> Come on, man. Because okay, I can oh, think
1: of a lot of shows. All from I can my tell you, then.
2: all I can tell you is that my two shows that I had on that my parents had on the same VHS for me. Um, were was a marathon of Little Bear and okay. Barney the Dinosaur.
1: I love Little Bear. Little Bear is so good.
2: You There's yourself. That's what I I was going to say, you yourself have a Little Bear. Aww.
1: I call Cleo my Little Bear because her face reminds me of Little Bear from cartoons.
2: Yeah, Little Bear was so... I. So I had multiple VHSs that my parents made of just reruns of every episode of Little Bear that I'd sit and watch for hours on it. Wow that's wholesome
1: special shout out to, to showmakers who make shows for kids it's probably not fun or easy but we really do appreciate yeah, it. No, yeah no it
2: serves a lot of like really good formational stuff that honestly is just like really good nostalgia to think back on later on in life
1: hey nick what was your original question because i could tell you i don't remember yeah i don't it. either
2: oh it was <laughs> you already answered it pretty much
0: i was oh, okay. asking uh, <laughs> what shows do you remember watching from your early childhood yeah. Dragon
1: Tales. All right, I'm done
0: now. <laughs> Dragon t- Okay. <laughs> I think I
2: did watch a little <laughs> bit of Mister Rogers, but I don't remember a single episode. I Was there like Okay, so did Mister Rogers have like a secondary show within it called like Fraggle Rock or something? Nope. Or no, is that another Fraggle show? Fraggle Rock was its own show. Okay. What you're
1: thinking is the Kingdom of Make Believe.
2: Oh, uh, okay, cuz I definitely remember him going to like his backyard or something and like talking to some little puppet creatures.
1: It was, like, in his house. There was, like, a little castle. Yeah, No, no, there was a trolley. It was a trolley that took you to the land of make-believe.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that. It's it's the land of make-believe. We'll get to all that. Yeah. All that. All that and a bag of chips.
1: So, I remember one specific episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Oh, really? uh, From my childhood. Yeah. So, um, I grew up in, like, a very... I would say very urban kind of a part of where we live. I don't want to be too specific because obvious reasons. That's fair. Um but in the place where I'm originally from, there was a milk bottling and like uh dispersing place.
0: Oh, I think I know um, the place. Yeah.
1: That is that is now out of business, but right. existed there for a really long time. Uh, And they made excellent chocolate milk. But there was one episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood where he went to like a dairy farm and then went to like the bottling factory where they bottled the milk and like dispersed it to the places that sold the milk. And I remember thinking as a kid and watching that episode, number one, yo, it's so weird that Mr. Rogers left his house (laughs) because that rarely happened. And then number two was like, oh, Mr. Rogers is down the street like right now. That's crazy. But he wasn't, of course. They're just multiple bottling companies.
0: <laughs> yeah, the, I have the same problem, though. I can't really remember any specific episode. But all that I remember is that I really enjoyed watching, you know, Mr. Rogers and Thomas the Tank Engine, which mm-hmm. is might be where I started my obsession with trains. But uh,
1: Oh, we know that you like trains.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right off the bat. But a little bit about my background, my childhood to start us off from the time I was a little baby to the time I was about six, I spent most of my time with various babysitters while my mom went to work. They all, to this day, have a very special place in my heart, but there's one in particular that comes to mind when I think about Mr. Rogers. And it was an older couple who had uh, recently retired from a place where my mom worked at. And I remember they lived in a big blue house, not too far from where we stayed. While there during the day, they'd take me out to eat at Bob Evans or Frisch's or any other Cincinnati area restaurant. They'd buy me new toys or just take me out while they did errands. And from what they tell me, I was a pretty well-behaved kid, never causing too many problems for any of them or of my other caregivers. My favorite part of the day was the morning. And that's something that still continues to adulthood. Unfortunately, I'm a chipper morning person. Uh, But I got to eat breakfast and watch this bulky 12 inch CRT television that they had on the kitchen table. I think it was black and white too. Um, but there's a lot of things from childhood that shaped me into the dashing young podcast host that you know before you now. And not to dive too much in the developmental psychology of it, but there are a lot of seeds planted that are now fully grown flowers today, to say the least. So what are some things from your childhood that you still enjoy today? Spider-Man.
1: <laughs>
2: That's Spider-Man. easy.
0: <laughs>
1: Next question.
2: i throwing you softballs today. <laughs> Things from childhood that I still enjoy today. Uh, I enjoy, I really enjoy getting to uh, sit down and like watch like sports with my dad. That's something. Uh, I don't have any like particular pieces of entertainment that I still watch from then. But like I do spend a lot of time like reminiscing about them. Like I think I spent an entire week last week thinking about uh, the Goofy movie.
1: I've watched that so many times since I've become an adult. It's oh, yeah. so good. Once I basically got the freedom to watch whatever I want, I solely watched the Disney or like Disney <laughs> collection and Goofy movie. Yeah. Speaking of Little Bear, she's making noises in the background, <laughs> if you can hear. <laughs> One other thing that I'll say uh, that I really still enjoy is like going to the zoo and stuff.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, like Definitely. zoo and aquarium, even though they're kind of built for like children mostly. Um, but I still enjoy it, and it might be because of a lot of those kind of PBS shows.
0: Might be. Who's to say? Um, Who's to say? We're here to speculate. We'll, we'll get to the speculation part later. But, uh, yeah, it's crazy that all we have left of those days gone by are memories and thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we remember those days with a, a glint of nostalgia, I'd say. Those those were the good times. It was a time when the world was simple, when everything was okay. Things were black and white. Life was mm-hmm. easy. But I'd be a fool to tell you that the 90s were a better time, because really no point in history can be or should be labeled as the best. But as you grow up, the world becomes more complex, more gray. You start having responsibilities, places Mm -hmm. to go, things to worry about constantly. And yet, somehow, we continue to live. We all have something that we fall back on when we get knocked down to our lowest of lows. We find ways to deal with what Mr. Rogers would call the modulations in life. Mathematicians out there might say, The only constant is variables in this world, which is to say that things are in a constant state of flux. That's just the way it is. And you could even take it up a step and talk about entropy in the universe, but the traffic outside your door, your feelings, the seasons, all these things change. And how we deal with these changes is something that can be taught, or perhaps is something innate within us. The worst changes are those that happen with a negative outcome. Bad changes also happen. And for me, it was the show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood that helps me pull through All of these. So let's do a little experiment here. Let's say you could go back in time and tell your child self one thing, one paragraph. Imagine Princess Leia recording that message on R2D2, if that helps. What would you say and why?
2: Mm. This is a hard one. Yeah. For me, probably um, going to therapy is a good thing. (laughs) Like therapy is okay um having people to talk about your problems uh in a healthy way is very good for yourself and is not yeah. something that should ever get looked down on definitely
1: i think mine would be um to spend more time like cherishing the things i have when i have them because i feel like I, especially a younger me took advantage of a lot of the things that like i had at the time uh, and a lot of the relationships and people who were in my life uh, and I didn't appreciate them until like long after they had already like been made uh, out of reach of me. So I'd say like appreciate the things you have, enjoy them while you have them and it's okay to be sad when they go, mm-hmm. but uh, you have to keep going after that as well would probably be my 30 seconds.
0: Yeah. That kind of gets to the one of the primary points here is that you, I mean, to quote, what is that song? You, you don't know what you got till it's gone.
1: Pave paradise, put up a parking <laughs> lot. Yep.
0: You have no idea what you have currently, like within your life, until it's too late. So right. maybe not take things for granted would would be what, what I'd say to my past self. It's because, hey, you got a lot of things going for you right now. Take a look around. It's out there. We're just waiting for you and. Someday, those things will be gone, and you won't even know it. <laughs> but that kind of leads me to my next question. Is It's it's a rhetorical question, so I'm not expecting an answer. I uh, thought you might enjoy that, Alex. But how do you even communicate with children, let alone your past self? How do, you, how do you get a seven-year-old to listen to the wisdom you're spitting at his face? It's hard. Even communicating with like a, a younger niece or nephew, it's how do you break down the barrier between your adult... Knowing everything, knowing the weight of the world and transferring this information to uh, a small human. It's really hard, but I think Mr. Rogers found a very successful way to do it. So let me just give a little preview of the episode. Uh, First, I'm going to tell you about Mr. Rogers, the person. Secondly, I'm going to... Okay, we'll call him Fred Rogers. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) And then I'll tell you a little bit about a typical show's format. Third, we'll take a stop into public broadcasting. And fourth, we'll, touch, we'll end it with touching on Mr. Rogers' legacy and some of the topics that he touched on. So, I'll kind of be following the documentary entitled, Won't You Be My Neighbor? I know you've watched it. A couple of you have. But uh, I'll say that all the factual information contained within this episode is sourced from there. So, as you know, the credible, credible hor- Hulk always cites his sources. Let me just address the 100-ton trolley in the room right off the bat. What does, the Mr. what does the show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood have to do with entertainment? It seems like a lot of people would say that Mr. Rogers is the polar opposite of everything on television. And speaking of television, why are we even talking about a kid's show? It is because of the deep roots in our television-watching experiences that made this show what, what we are today. Does everything within the realm of entertainment have to be entertaining to everyone? Am I asking too many rhetorical questions in a row? Surely the show wasn't meant to be watched by grown adults, but what if it is? Cue the b music. Let's back up now, the trolley gonna, in now, a little now, bit, now, <laughs> and I'll tell you who Mr. Rogers really was, and then maybe we can answer some of those rhetorical questions. So, what do you guys know about Mr. Rogers? You know anything about him?
1: I don't think you want me to answer that question unless you want me to just ruin the rest of the episode for you. <laughs>
2: You're gonna ruin it. <laughs> I honestly, like, I honestly didn't really watch or know Mr. Rogers that much. Okay. Like, I, I the only the, the biggest thing that I know is that which is a very big thing of his legacy is how he basically like single-handedly saved public access television. Exactly. He saved public broadcasting.
1: He did do that. Yes. Um here's what I know is that uh according to legend, every conversation that Mr. Rogers had was like memorable to Mr. Rogers. He never forgot anyone. He always remembered every detail that you told him um and he was always super genuine in conversation. Uh Another thing that I know is that he started the show when he was like in his like 30s and did it all the way up until like he was old 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 old. Like it was one of the longest running uh kid shows on TV and it still might hold that record.
0: I'm pretty sure it does. Yeah, second is only Captain Kangaroo.
1: I remember that his mother gave him his famous cardigan. Mm-hmm. Yep. I remember that. Uh I remember that there was an episode where he was trying to put up a tent and he failed to do so and he said keep it in because kids need to know that like not everything that they do is going to be successful and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um I know that his method to talking to children was to uh not speak down to them. Talk to them like they were adults because uh that was the way that he wanted them to understand the world was how they would eventually understand it anyway.
2: Yeah. Which, like, that that one was really exemplified. I do remember... I don't remember this, because I just recently watched it, like, from my childhood. Uh, I don't remember it from my childhood, but for more recently. It was an episode where he did, and he talked to a, a child with uh, disabilities and had to use, like, a uh, motorized wheelchair. Oh, and, I watched this episode recently. Yeah, and it's incredible the amount of, like, empathy that he gives to the child without making the making it, like, without being, like, pitiful, like, yeah. and really propping him up on a stage where the kid was able to show off just how char- charismatic he was. And the kid was able to, like, explain so succinctly and well, like, hey, I'm just in this wheelchair because I just need this to move around. Like, I-, I had this happen to my body, and this is just what it is. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit, Mr. Rogers. Like, like first off good for the kid for being able to like talk that speak that well <laughs> and be that yep. charismatic in while being thrown into that situation but also mr rogers for setting him up it, a, like as an adult essentially yeah
0: i don't know about you but i'd probably be a little salty if that happened to me i get put in a wheelchair and i'd be like
2: hm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just say saying that if
0: you put, put a
1: wheelchair you'd be mad
0: i'd be yeah i'd be a little mad i'd be like i can't walk in okay. <laughs> can't do anything yeah. yeah. But I after a while, that
1: most people who are in wheelchairs aren't too thrilled about it.
0: No. But after a while, you'd be like, okay, you know, this yeah. is like, whatever. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But
1: it's but, super cool because that's not how Mr. Rogers saw it. It was not that like the kid should just be like, okay, this is cool. This is like, he shouldn't accept it. Mr. Rogers was like, you are special and awesome because of this. Yep. And that was what was important.
2: Well, it was like, you are special and awesome because of who you are. And this is just part of who you are.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's what makes you special.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Being you makes you you and special. Uh, that's a key takeaway. So write that down if you're taking notes. Um, <laughs> but he was, he was born into a wealthy family in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, which is about 40 miles outside of Pittsburgh. I know we typically don't like that city. Cause right, hey, 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 location. You shut
2: your dang We're mouth. Waiting.
0: <laughs> We're Cincinnati
1: boys. Uh but Michael is uh, is a traitor. I was I, I heard that. I
2: was born there, okay? Hey. I was born while my mom had an IV connected up to Iron City Beer. <laughs> okay. okay. Runs through my veins. We can
1: still be friends, but it's a lot harder when you say stuff like
2: this. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine if I actually used my Pittsburghian accent. Pittsburgh.
0: <laughs> it's hey, it's a city. Uh Cincinnati's also a city. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. We're connected by a river. Figure that one out. Yeah, only uh, one of those but,
2: produced, uh, <laughs> or by close proximity produced, Mister Rogers. Though
0: that, that's true. I mean, huge leg up. Uh, sports ball teams? I don't
2: know. Uh, this. Is of, let's be freaking <laughs> real here. Besides baseball, big leg up.
1: <laughs> you don't like your pirates, my man. Pittsburgh
2: I I like pirates? my pirates. They've just sucked for like thirty years, yeah, mostly because of just team, absolutely man. horrible ownership. So. But, hey, we'll save that for another day where, when I'll probably <laughs> go on a rant about uh, sports. Sportstalk.entertainthis. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe.
1: Sportstalk.entertainthis.com. Check it I out. I have
2: been in my back pocket throwing around the idea of doing one on the history of the Super Bowl, so we'll see when that Oh, throwing around. Up. I see what you did there.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we will catch that and run it to a touchdown.
1: Okay, too far, man. That, that wasn't clever. <laughs> a little clever. too... You, you, missed, the, yeah, you a... missed the mark on clever thing.
0: <laughs> I'm doing my best.
1: <laughs> You're doing great. You're wearing a cardigan and everything. Yeah. The closest thing you had to one.
0: It's, yeah, it's a quarter zip. It's kind of hot, actually. But uh, speaking of hot... No, I don't have a segue here. Uh, yeah. um, speaking
2: of hot, Mr. Rogers. Let's go.
0: Let's talk about I'm it. Mr. Rogers. Uh, um, the original daddy. It's... <laughs> How did you say that. Alex, I'm going to ask you to leave and never come back. <laughs> I just never say that again. <laughs> but anyways, uh, Mr. Rogers, he was a pretty sickly kid. Uh, he had a difficult childhood. He was shy, introverted, and overweight. And frequently bedridden because of his severe bouts of asthma. He was bullied and taunted as a child for his weight. He was called Fat Freddy.
1: Can um, I stop you for a second? Sure. I'm glad you didn't go with the original segue where you went, Speaking of hot. Mr. Rogers was disabled as a child.
2: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: <laughs> That'd have been rough. That'd have been a rough segue, but you can continue now.
2: Yeah. Um
0: he uh he, he owned several stuffed animals as a kid. I think we all did, really. Um he would create his own worlds in his bedroom. He was he was just really creative and making up these stories about all his different animals and um So I mean you see that reflected in the in the show itself with the land of make believe. That's essentially what it is. Um, But Mr. Rogers swam every day at the Pittsburgh Athletic Association after waking every morning between 4.30 and 5.30 a.m. to pray, read the Bible, and prepare himself for the day. He didn't smoke or drink. He always weighed 143 pounds, 143 pounds. And that's that's important because it was a little numerological code for I love you. I is one letter, love is four, and you is three letters. I love you, 143. So that's really wholesome. <laughs> and I wish I weighed that much, but sadly, I'm just heavy old thick Nick. By 1998, his routine also included napping daily, going to bed at 9.30 p.m., sleeping eight hours a night without interruption, an and he was also a vegetarian, citing he didn't want to eat anything with the mother, which is somebody who likes steak that really cuts deep.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it is like so Mr. Rogers. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: So Fred, and I'll call him Mr. Rogers from here on out. Fred just seems, I don't want to, no, that's I'm not, not on head. that level with him. No. I'm not, I, if anyone's ever on that level with Mr. Rogers, I mean, wow, congratulations. Um, He he saw all this television going on in the fifties as you kind of hit on in your previous episode, Alex, that television was just kind of getting its footing. It was just after the, the radio boom and he saw all this pie in the face slapstick humor. And he thought, Hmm. What a remarkable tool television could be for entertainment and enrichment. So he gets involved with the children's, uh, a show called the children's corner on WQED in Pittsburgh. And it becomes dissatisfied with where it's going, goes off to seminary, which is like a religious college where you become, where you go to become a reverend or a, a pastor or something like that. Um, so he gets ordained in 1963, but you wouldn't know that he was a man of faith by watching the show. The astute among you might be able to pick up on the Christian messages that he says. Chiefly among these is the golden rule, which is love thy neighbor as thyself. And that should be a core value for everyone, regardless of religious or non-religious persuasion. It doesn't matter if your neighbor has a different skin color than you, if they practice a different faith, or if they have a disability, or if they are from a different country, or if they have a different sexual orientation. And speaking of LGBTQ plus issues, Mr. Rogers Actor Francois Clemens, known as Officer Clemens on the show, came out to him, and he just responded, as you might say, saying, I love you just the way you are. And he would just not have to appear as gay on the show, as sponsors wouldn't be too privy to that. We should love them the same way we love ourselves. In other words, be excellent to each other, dudes. I love that reference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He didn't say that. I just made that up. But uh, he gets involved with some highbrow child psychologists back in the day, and he goes to, it just goes to show that he took his TV show very seriously, and it's a test. Are you still in touch with childhood? Can these children teach us adults something? It kind of brings the question up, what happens when we forget to be children? Kids aren't unintelligent, They're, they're just small humans. So it's 1968. The first episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood premieres. He's been developing this for a solid five years. The neighborhood is a fictional place, but it's based on real-life events in his life. But things happen in the neighborhood that often parallel the real world and provides children with the basis of what's happening in the real world and why. The first episode, he talks a little bit about the Vietnam War, which is at the top of everyone's mind in 1968. Speaking of which, let's get another 900-pound Daniel Tiger out of the room. No, he was not a Navy SEAL sniper in the Vietnam War. And no, he did not have tattoos up his arm.
1: Along that same vein, I remember there was an episode that they made on the spot. Like They were like, whatever we're supposed to be showing today, we're not showing it. We have to make this new segment on this new episode. And it was because the president had just gotten assassinated. And Mr. Mm -hmm. Rogers was like, we have to figure out how to tell kids what assassination is. It
0: was the president's brother,
1: uh Robert. The president's brother, yes. Robert Kennedy,
0: uh was assassinated mm-hmm. in nineteen sixty eight. And JFK had, JFK had already been assassinated. JFK had already been assassinated in nineteen sixty three. So his brother gets shot. I think he's running for president at the time in nineteen sixty eight. But anyways he gets shot like live on T V and I imagine a bunch of kids back then were watching that and being like, What is happening? Why did he fall to the ground? Why is he dead now? So yeah, Mr. Rogers was kind of there. I mean, he's been there uh, when, when 9-11 happened, too. I think he he was trying to do like the same thing that he did for the RFK assassination, but he couldn't quite find the words to produce an entire episode on it. And I think that's something that he really struggled with uh, later in his life because, I mean, as you get older, I guess you get more filled with self-doubt. And he had the same human struggles that we did, too
1: and also just society has changed so much oh yeah that it just became difficult to explain like without showing some form of bias which i know he didn't enjoy doing like especially with 911 like what can you say other than like these people don't like us
0: yeah and why is that uh well now you have to go into history and like why do these people not like us and that'd be difficult for that's even difficult for us to do nowadays Yeah. Like grown adults. But like I said before, he was laser focused on producing a television program for children and generally being helpful in their young lives. Like he spent a solid five years just to research and make sure that his show is Gucci in the eyes of child psychologists. So what was this juicy award-winning show format that everyone loves so much? Let me get into that. I'll answer my own question once again. Most episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood begins with the the show's logo appearing as the camera pans slowly over model town of the neighborhood, while the neighborhood trolley crosses several streets from left to right, and the text reads, Mr. Rogers talks about blank, whatever the topic is. The camera then goes from the neighborhood, kind of a wide view, inside to Mr. Rogers' television set house. That's right, folks, this show has a train in it, and Nick is talking about trains again. But Mr. Rogers comes into his home with his jacket on saying, won't you be my neighbor? And he goes into the closet, takes off his jacket, hangs it up, grabs a cardigan, zipper, sweater to put on after that. And after that, he takes off his dress shoes and puts on a pair of sneakers to go and uh, roam around his house. These cardigans, uh, like you mentioned before, Alex, are knit by his mother. That's another little fun fact for you. But it was this way of simple ritual repetition that makes it so appealing to small children. They love it when they see things repeated and they know what to expect. And I think I like the fact that every episode begins in roughly the same way. You know what to expect when you flip on the show. And oftentimes he uses silence as a weapon in and of itself. He's not afraid of dead air. And even the type of music that's selected within his shows is something that's, you know, something that's pretty complex. I'm, of course, talking about jazz. The jazzy intro that plays that I just played for you guys before we got started recording. <laughs> but jazz, as you know, is the most challenging and complex of genres of music to play. I mean, I can speak for myself being a, a part time musician. Um, <laughs> it's just a hard genre. It's basically.
1: This might be the first time that you've mentioned that on air.
0: A part time music. Well, you know, I dabble in the musical arts. You know this. I do. Yes, I, I've been known to dabble. But uh, the, the meat and potatoes of the show here. He goes on to talk about things related to the the topic of the show, speaking directly to the viewer right in the camera about various topics, and sometimes he'll take you on a tour of a factory, like a milk factory, or maybe he'll go and demonstrate some science experiments or do some crafts or make some music with a friend or just generally interacting with his neighbors. And as we have mentioned before, Mr. Rogers did not shy away from difficult topics. Everything from divorce death, getting lost, war, the space shuttle uh, Challenger explosion, the assassinations of Robert Kennedy and uh, Martin Luther King. This is hard-hitting stuff, and it begs the question, is there something that television shows can teach us adults? And not to speculate too wildly, but I think it was Mr. Rogers who made a young me realize that a man doesn't have to be a stereotype. I don't have to like cars or like sports, I can enjoy cooking and cleaning. I don't have to be loud and obnoxious. I can be as quiet as I like and speak when I need to, which kind of flips the whole toxic masculinity of the nineties on its head.
1: It changed a generation.
0: He ends every episode by saying the same phrase over and over again. And you guys might know it by heart if you watched it, but he says, you always make each day a special day. You know how by just being you, there's only one person in the whole world. That's like you. And that's you. And people can like you just the way you are. And I'll be back next time. Bye bye. And that should be enough to make even the most stoic no. guy misty eyed. Mr. Rogers wasn't really playing a character on the show. That's really him. The same way I'm being myself on a podcast, albeit in a more uh, prepared way and edited. And I'm a fraud by comparison, come to think of it. <laughs> <laughs> So if that show synopsis didn't sound entertaining to you, you're not alone. And in current television economic model of eyeballs equaling the amount of advertising dollars paid, you might be scratching your head and wondering, how did this show go on for 31 seasons and 912 episodes over the span of decades? The answer to that question is another question. What if we didn't have to pay or play the television economic game? Enter PBS. So what do you guys know about PBS? (laughs) What are your feelings toward it, first off?
1: Um, I I think positively of it until you tell me not to. <laughs> but I think that the fact that it is viewer funded and mostly educational, uh, th- I don't see anything bad about it. Their commercial breaks, like they rarely had commercial breaks from what I remember. And when they did, it wasn't like for advertisers. It was like they did a commercial break because they were doing a telethon.
2: Yeah, something like that, typically. Mm-hmm. So I don't really remember what like shows I watched as a kid that came from PBS or anything like that. But what I what I can say is that like PBS as a foundational like aspect of American society is like is has been so important in so many people's lives. Who like you go from um, people who just like aren't afford to can't afford like regular cable who can still have access to it. Uh, But including a show like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on a publicly accessible free channel um, did more than I think anyone ever expected for not only our mentalities on a day-to-day basis, but about Mm -hmm. how we see each other. Um, Like um, One thing that I remember uh, is that Mr. Rogers actually played a pivotal role in helping Americans or helping helping just people as a whole, especially with that younger group, ex- start to accept uh, like black people as like regular yep. other people um, because he was the first man on television to uh, to be seen like or to show himself dipping his toe, like dipping his feet in the same water as a black person, which like at the time black people were meant to be completely separate, segregated Mm -hmm. through like in pools. Like, um, and I don't know, like PBS as a whole, it's, it serves as a really important way to deliver a very humanizing message. And I think Mr. Rogers neighborhood was Mm -hmm. one of the best. Might I cut into
1: this dance, Michael? (laughs) Um, to kind of reference what you're going over there, the episode that you're referring to, uh it was the mailman um who we mentioned previously. It was the police um, officer, sorry. Okay, well, Officer yeah. Clemens.
2: Um, this is the police
0: officer.
1: Yes. Uh he yeah, he asked if he wanted to sit down and like put his feet in the pool and like wash his feet. Um that is actually a reference to the Bible. Yep. Um that's another little uh hidden mm-hmm. Mr. Rogers Christian lesson in the Bible, it's, uh, it's Jesus washing the feet of like regular, like peasants and stuff like that. But the basic message is like these, uh, we are all equal. It doesn't matter like who you are, where you're from or what you're meant to be. Like we all are brothers and that makes us equal.
0: Yeah. And that was a point in the Bible when Jesus was like, everybody knew he was the, the son of God. If depending on what mm-hmm. you believe, and he was, he was like, okay, God's the king, Jesus is the prince, right? But the prince is stooping down low and washing the feet of like regular old peasants. So, I guess kind of flipping the the hierarchy of society on its head is something that not only Jesus did, but also Mister Rogers at the same time. So not not to, to j-
1: say that Mister Rogers saw himself as a Christ no. figure, which he did not. No. He simply was like, we are even.
0: We are even. Yes, we are all equals. We are all equals and. In- in the eyes, of, the
1: eyes of God. Yes,
0: thank you. <laughs> and he probably didn't say God or Jesus once in his entire show. So, right. Kind of goes to show you that his method of preaching, I guess you want to call it, is something that I think that we can learn a lot from. Um you, know, you don't even have to be religious to be a good person. I said it. Um but <laughs> here in America Without making a stop into religious territory, television is all about spectacle. There's lots of sizzle, but not a whole lot of steak. There's 24-7 news coverage, everything about what the celebrities do, game shows, violence, hatred, and comedy in your face around the clock all the time. But it's been like this since the very beginning. So much emphasis on silly diversions, but not a whole lot to improve your lot in life. So PBS, right, stands for the Public Broadcasting Service, and it's funded by Good old taxpayer dollars, in part. but and
1: viewers like you. And viewers like Thank you. you.
0: <laughs> they rely on donations and uh, advertising dollars and dues. And um, you can go look at their financial report if you're interested in all that. But in part, p- funded by taxpayer dollars. And it's free for everyone who has a television and a receiver. And I'll put on my electronic media and broadcasting education hat here and tell you that they are not technically a network. They're not like CBS or ABC or NBC. But the crucial thing here is that they don't have to play the advertiser's game because they don't rely on commercial dollars or consumer eyeballs to watch it. And it was because of the Public Broadcasting Act of 1967 that precipitated the development of the current public broadcasting system in the U.S. But right from the get-go, there's controversy. When PBS launched in October of 1970, it was assumed many of the functions of its predecessor, the National Educational Television, or NET, NET was shut down by the Ford Foundation and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting after the network refused to stop airing documentaries on social issues that alienated most of the network's affiliates. So good for them, because they're still out there fighting the good fight today, airing documentaries on climate change and social justice today. Public radio, a sister to the television, brings important coverage of world affairs and cultural happenings in our city too. Uh, Shout out to, what's the station around here? WMUB. NPR? No, <laughs> it is NPR, but the local station around here is WMUB <laughs> or WVXU, right. one of the two. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of NPR, so I'm a little biased here. Um, hmm. <laughs> there are things that need to be heard, but nobody will advertise with them. So after this is passed, good old tricky dick, Richard Nixon, comes along and he wants to cut PBS from the federal budget in the early 70s. It's a solid $20 million that's on the line that could be used to be fighting the Vietnam conflict at this point. That's when Mr. Rogers comes to Capitol Hill to testify and ends up saving PBS for all of us today. Like, seriously, go watch his testimony. His effect on people in the room is incredible. They start out joking like, oh, look at this guy here. What, what is he going to do, talk to us in his, in his silly little voice? But then, slowly, there's this thing that happens with everyone. They have this oh-snap moment when he is calm and pointed in his statements. You can probably hear his voice in your head right now. But this causes the senator who's in charge of this hearing to have a change of heart and reverse his opinion right then and there. And from then on out, we have Mr. Rogers to thank for the PBS that we all know and love today
1: yeah i think the end of that meeting he literally like the the last thing is all right mr rogers you did it you convinced me you have your money and then everybody just goes nuts yeah he's like that's it mr rogers you have your money yeah like it's very like a defeated like okay this is obvious and i messed up
0: (laughs) and that senator was like he was a big tough guy he started out like all right let's hear it you know what are you gonna do (laughs) and then all of a sudden (laughs) mr rogers is like boy <laughs>
1: I'm gonna come for your whole life I'm sorry
0: <laughs> it was a measly 20 million dollars like even back then it wasn't that much but it was enough to start like everything in PBS that we know today there would be no Bill Nye Science Guy there would be no Cyber Chase there would be no Dragon Tales none of that would have existed Bill
2: Nye was
1: Disney I thought
0: Uh later on it was PBS I remember no it was Disney you're right I'll shut up now Um <laughs> However, of course, with NPR, there are some more conservative-leaning folks out there who think that Mr. Rogers ruined a generation by making them entitled, or think that PBS is garbage because they spe- they lean a little to the left. They say that our generation has always special, and they don't need to work to attain that. Insert your snowflake argument here. And to that, I'd say you are extremely misguided. To say that people should be denied basic inherent human rights because they have to earn them is the exact opposite of the golden rule by saying, yeah, I'll treat you like a human once you do something incredible for me is denying all those people who don't meet that criteria, a basic human dignity, which I think is wrong. I don't think you have to make the next iPhone or invent the new thing that changes the world. And listener, let me just tell you right now, you're special just by being you, no matter what you do. No one can take that away. You are loved and capable of loving. And that's what makes you special. You being you. Aw. Well said. So with that, can you remember, of course, you. I asked this question after I already asked it, but I don't really remember any show in particular <laughs> uh, from Mr. Rogers that sticks out to me. So I had to do a little research, as I do. Um, not every episode is going to be as hard-hitting as the ones about socio cultural happenings or disasters or anything like that some are silly but super important to children like uh getting a haircut or something as silly as that i remember the first time i got a haircut i was freaking out i was crying i didn't want a haircut because <laughs> the buzzer made that sound in your ears and i was like oh shit, it's gonna kill me
1: <laughs> what an excellent time to bring this up <laughs> okay. I, like yesterday just watched my first haircut video yeah I, I'm converting all of our old VHSs into uh, DVDs. For oh, what a treasure VHS trove! VHS videos. Yeah. So I got to oh, watch yeah. my very first haircut, and uh, just like you, I was terrified of it. They snipped off one hair, and I looked at my dad, and I went, "I'm done. Pick up, pick up. You're like, <laughs> <"Pick> up. <laughs> I'm gonna die." <laughs> right. Like as soon as she snipped one hair, I was like, "I'm done. We're good. That's a haircut."
2: I love, I love how succinct yeah. baby talk is. It's why use more
0: word than less word. Like um,
2: when my uh, when my when my mom and my dad brought home my baby sister uh, from the hospital, I was all of like <laughs> one and a half years old. Uh, I they brought her down, put her in a little cradle, let me look. I just looked at her for a little bit, turned to my mom, "Baby, <laughs> go bye <bye-bye?">
1: bye."
2: <laughs> like I've had I've had my fill. All I right. want you all to myself again. <laughs>
1: Baby's done now. Baby leaves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was super excited. Uh, the first time that my sister was born, I was seven at the time and I, I was super excited to get a sibling. I was no longer an only child. Um, but from that moment on, it was like, after she started doing some baby stuff, like crying and stuff like that, I'd be like, all right, come on. <laughs> like, all right. That's getting old. We're done. Why, don't, <laughs> why can't you just grow up and change your own diaper? I don't like, what's, what's the deal here? <laughs> there might've been well, Mr. Rogers, look
2: at so. me. I can do it all myself. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> And then you start feeling like a little uh, jealous, I'd say, because the parents are giving all the attention to the little baby. And
1: There's a whole episode of the Rugrats on that.
0: Oh, yeah. It sucks being an older brother sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It sucks being a parent. Not that I'm a parent. I'm a fur parent. I have dogs. Mr.
1: Rogers was, uh, was key to teaching us all that uh, we need to love everyone.
0: Everyone. Including, mm-hmm.
1: including the tiny ones, especially.
0: Especially, yes. Um, I'd say his His kind of uh, core focus in life, who he was kind of pointing the laser beam of the television at was probably the age range of like two to six, Mm. maybe even beyond that a little bit. Um, But anyway, a quote from an episode that I don't remember that went over my heart was, what do we do with the mad inside? Kind of like the avatar thing, like what do you do with the fire inside of you? Because fire can be destructive. When you have a negative emotion, that can be destructive. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with the negative emotions in a constructive manner? It's really hard. It'd be a lot easier just to spew a bunch of hate and bull crap out of your mouth with fire, right? That fire inside, you want to spew it out. You're like, get this out of me. I want to be angry. I want to destroy everything. Or can you deal with it in a constructive manner? So that's a key thing from a Mr. Rogers episode. And uh, this is taken from now that we just have this time here, um, from best episodes of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on fatherway.com. That's a weird, a weird title for a website, but uh, episode 1542, this one's called No and Yes, where he shares a true story about when he was a boy, he picked a flower from a neighbor's yard without permission, but he turns this into an anecdote of the simple lesson that it is not only permission and boundaries, but the beauty of appreciating things without touching. And that's exquisite even for people today. The bigger issue here is uh, one about consent, right? There's something to be said when, when somebody says no, that means no.
1: That means when no. Say,
0: when somebody says yes, that means that yes. That means
1: yes. <laughs> you got me in the Mr. Rogers mood now.
0: <laughs> or Dora the Explorer even, too.
1: The call, call and response child show. yeah what an important lesson to imbue on kids especially such like a young age Mm -hmm. and in a way that like you can apply later for like more intense situations but like doesn't outright go like hey this is for this it's like for everything like you should always ask to make sure the person is okay with what you're doing
0: exactly yeah that's something that I mean I said it once and I said it before children's television shows aren't just for children Mm -hmm. they can be for you know, 20-something-year-old dudes like us. Um, I would
1: totally stream through Dragon Tales again. I'm not even going to lie. If I could find Dragon it Tales. somewhere. Oh, yeah. I'd watch every episode.
0: You should watch Mr. Rogers. Well, maybe you shouldn't watch Mr. Rogers, but you-, you might like it. I don't know. Mr.
1: Rogers is a little dry for me nowadays, uh, but I did enjoy it when <laughs> I was a kid.
0: It's a little dry. It's like a whole wheat cracker. It's wholesome, but it ain't too wet.
1: <laughs> I used to watch PBS every day after school like yep. when i was like way out of age like i was like i would come home from middle school and it would just like be the thing i watched i remember the shows that i watched um the one that i was always like super excited about there was a kids game show uh that used to play and it was hosted by a uh, like yellow dog and i think his name was wags are you talking uh, about uh, always... this
0: is on pbs yeah okay yeah. I don't uh, but remember. I always
1: wanted to be on, on this game show. Um But after that there was like the dog that ate Alphabet Soup and there was one with a superhero girl and her monkey. Uh and th- I just like I have such fond memories of uh watching these shows like and it just being a part of my routine. Um yeah. the show is called Fetch with Ruff Ruffman. And okay. I really love <laughs>
0: That might have been after my time, because I don't remember that at all. But uh, there is an episode that you mentioned, Michael, that's uh, apparently one of the critically rated episodes of Mr. Rogers. It's called uh, A Boy in a Wheelchair, episode 1478. And you kind of already hit on it, but I don't remember when this show was made. But um, he just he just has him on the show and have a frank conversation about what it's like to be a person with a disability. And together, they sing, saying, it's you I like. It's this... Uh, Emotional honesty that they both share on a screen. And a cool fun fact about it is that the boy, who was five at the time, stayed in touch with Mr. Rogers up until he passed away. And he actually appeared at the 1999 induction into the TV Academy Hall of Fame. And you can see this genuine look of happiness as Mr. Rogers finds out that he's there in the audience. And he remembers him too. And I mean, that's just one of many moments that's a a, a real. It kind of makes you misty-eyed in a way because it's like the reuniting of two friends that you didn't expect to happen. And Mr. Rogers just kept in touch with everyone, really. Like you said before, he, he remembered every face. And, uh, and I know this anecdote that he actually kept in touch with people who wrote letters to him. Uh, so he'd spend a large majority of his day just writing letters back and forth to people that he wanted to keep in touch with.
1: Yeah, he responded to fan mail, too, a lot.
0: Fan mail? Yep, Which that, I, too.
1: I can only imagine that once he responded to fan mail, if, like, he asked you a question you responded, like, you just were now writing Mr. Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> I know that a lot of people who received, like, messages back from Mr. Rogers, like, their parents were always like, oh, the corporate entity is sending you whatever, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, But, like, it was actually him, and a lot of people yeah. were, like, super impressed to find out that it was actually him. Uh, Nick, I have a question for you if we have time and I'm not like splitting into no, go your for time.
0: No I don't have much else. So, we're good.
1: What do you you you've done the research. How do you feel about uh the Mr. Rogers brand kind of going corporate? Uh his character uh the Tiger mm-hmm. his is yeah, like Daniel, favorite Daniel puppet. Daniel Tiger now has his own TV show and like they've made toys for it. They're selling toys and doing all this stuff like making profit this way, that way that Mr. Rogers never really did. What mm-hmm. are your thoughts on that?
0: I think in short, it's, it's a means to an end. Um, and that can be used kind of dangerously in different contexts, but uh, I don't think that, you know, making a profit should be a necessarily a bad thing. Um, because if you look at all the good things that Mr. Rogers was out there to, um, out there to get out into the world, I think that having, having a toy line is something physical and something tangible that a child can have and think of Mr. Rogers, um, something that they can take with them anywhere. It just doesn't have to be on a screen. Um, and that's probably what they'd say, but beyond that, I mean, it's a, it's a dangerous thing when you start taking somebody's legacy and doing what they, I mean, they're not around anymore. They can't tell you, yes, I'm okay with this or no, I'm not okay with this. You kind of have to make a bunch of educated guesses as to what they would want you to do. So that being said, it's kind of like, it's, it's a dangerous thing, but I think that if they stop, if they have some boundaries, if they don't take it too far, then I'm okay with it. You know? Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything evil about making a buck.
1: <laughs> so it is still um, it is still on PBS. It's known as Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. It kind of acted as the replacement for Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which I don't think I mind too much as long as it still follows the same value. But maybe that can be the thing that our listener uh, rings in on this week. What do you guys think of the replacement of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood with uh, Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood? Let us know. Let us know on our Facebook group uh, where we'll have weekly conversations in the comments of uh, <laughs> posting this video.
0: Yeah, and you'll get a whole bunch of angry political rants from me. That's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kidding. It happens. <laughs> happens I don't best do that. Of us. If you guys liked our anymore.
1: special guest, Nick's cat on this episode,
0: <laughs> uh, Cookie's uh, very uh, Make sure vocal. that you let
1: us know that as well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Recording
1: from home is sure fun. Quarantine is oh, great. Yeah. We love it.
0: I wish I could tell him to shut up, but he doesn't understand me.
1: It's a cat. What He's can a he cat.
2: Do? Yeah.
0: He's a kitten. What does he know? Right. Um,
2: well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure. If you tell him to shut up, he will understand. It will just be like, "What you want me to talk louder?" <laughs> yeah, I love cats. Cookie, hush.
0: Anyways, uh, in conclusion, I have to ask. This is kind of goes in the same vein as Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. Did Mister Rogers fail in his quest to change the world of television? I don't think so.
1: Clearly not. He saved PBS.
0: No. no. Um, but sadly, as, as you know, Mr. Rogers isn't around anymore. He contracted stomach cancer and uh, died in 2003. So I don't think he ever got to see the full legacy of his actions. He got to see a little bit of it, but um, I remember that day, and it made me really sad to see a childhood hero that I grew up with go away. And I think his legacy lives on inside all of us who watch the show. But beyond that we have him to thank for the very existence of PBS. So no matter how you spent your childhood, I think that some people have to thank a person for who they've become today. And so I'd like you to entertain that, but I'm not calling on you to go back and watch all the Mr. Rogers episodes. It it is, after all, a show geared towards children. But if you'd like to, I'd recommend it. It's a breath of fresh air in our turbulent world to have somebody so calm and uh, a little boring, but I think it's worth it. I think the message of love and kindness in this world needs to be heard a little more. So chill out, watch some Mr. Rogers, and thanks for being my neighbor for a while. And never forget that Mr. Rogers and the boys that entertain this will always love you just the way you are. Just by being you.
1: Uh, Just a little plug for uh, our viewers out there. If you guys want to do something uh, to honor... Fred Rogers his memory or his works you can donate to the Fred Rogers Center um they uh inspire uh children um they uh their initiative statement is we aspire to help children grow on the inside learn through relationships and give meaning to technology uh which was kind of his original goal with his show anyway was trying to yeah. find this te- television this new technology trying to find a way to help uh use it as a tool to teach children um you can go and donate the website for that is org. go check it out do some research and uh if that's something that you want to do we highly suggest that you do it
0: yeah what a perfect way to put a bow on all this is by saying that mission statement
1: go and donate to the fred rogers center we'll be right back after a short musical break that may include some sort of promotion. We really don't know until it happens.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, to close out the show tonight, I'm going to do a little quick five-minute quick this. Uh, are you guys ready? I, I guess. No. Okay. No, but do it anyways. Ready, set, Go. <laughs> So, for many of you guys, I'm sure that you can think of a favorite uh, long-running television show. Maybe it's Mr. Rogers. I'm thinking more of the sitcom variety. Um, I'm sure that one that Nick has in mind is Seinfeld. Uh, okay. But going down the more uh, traditional route, there are shows such as um, The Office, shows like Parks and Rec, shows like uh, The Good Place, shows like um, uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia... All of these shows kind of come to mind uh, being these really long running shows um, that somehow always stay true to their fans. So, what I am going to throw out to you guys today, what question I'm going to ask you guys to kind of kick off this quick this. Um, how do you guys think they stay so true to their brand year after year after year after season after season?
0: Hmm. I'd say it's. Well, coming from a corporate world, I guess I, I guess they have a a big mission statement that they kind of measure everything up to. Like, is this in line with our mission statement? Is this is this funny in the first place? If we're talking about Seinfeld, I think sure. that's might be how they do it.
1: You are you're getting close without completely saying it. So yes, <laughs>
2: okay, yeah. It's it's got to be like something similar, that, but having like writer like the same writers like um season in and season out but also having the same core group of people that can help establish that consistent mood
0: yeah it's the soul it's the soul of the of the show Mm -hmm.
1: so what if i were to tell you that there is a secret conspiracy happening in every writer room um when it comes to these long-term shows that conspiracy is that these shows have rules Rules that they strictly follow and that they read oh, yeah. uh, almost as though their own Bible. Uh, some of these rules have made it to light after shows have been canceled or stopped running on air. Uh, and I want to go over a couple of them within these next couple of minutes. That I still have for this quick. This The first one that we're going to visit, and I'm going to try to do this quick to reach these to keep these on five minutes, uh, is the office, which obviously had some rules. Um, but some of the more important rules in the office were things like the cameramen are characters. That's something that the writers had to keep in mind every time that they wrote. The way that mm. the uh, the uh, cameramen were treated, the way that they were written in the show, the shots that they took, all were really supposed to be from the point of view of this is some dude with a camera. This dude has thoughts, emotions, and feelings, and he knows things that the other characters don't know, but the characters who are in on these secrets, such as uh, affairs that are going on and so on and so forth, They're also aware that the cameramen are the only people who are aware of these things. Um, Mm. One cool way that they did this was uh, they never wanted the cameramen to know where the scene was happening. So there were times where they would spin the cameramen around in circles and then tell them to find the scene. So that's why a lot of uh, shots in the office kind of start with this quick pan over to actions happening is because the cameramen did not know where the scene was about to happen. Yeah, I like that. So that's a fun one uh Another interesting rule on a different show I mentioned always sunny in philadelphia um they they have a very key rule to every uh episode that they write, and that is that at the end of the episode, all of the characters have to reach the this criteria number one, they have to be exactly where they started, like they 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 have an overarching story in the episode but At the beginning, they have to have a problem, and at the end, they have to still have that problem. And to kind of go along with that, but also, like, a second rule, the characters in Always Sunny in Philadelphia end every episode almost the exact opposite as every other sitcom. Because in every other sitcom, like, Full House, or, like, anything like that, any, like, Families 90 uh, kind of a TV show, all of these episodes end in a lesson. Like, the characters learn something, they teach the viewer something. This... In Always Sunny, they have the rule that they never want the characters to learn anything. They never want the viewer to learn anything. They want the characters to become worse than they were at the beginning. That's perfect. And that's something that they stick with through every single episode. And a fun thing just to kind of add on is that uh, Always Sunny just got approved for its 17th season, like up to its 17th season. And the writer said we were ecstatic to hear that we were going to make it halfway through our 34 34 season arc that we have for these characters. (laughs) No, they do. They totally do. No, I wouldn't put it past them. They totally do. (laughs) Um, the last one that I wanted to stop at, and I'm going a little bit over on time. I hope you all forgive me. Um, South Park has a very cool rule in the writer's room.
0: Uh, <laughs> I love South Park.
1: <laughs> their rule is, if something happens in South Park, it's never for the gag. It's never for a joke. Everything in South Park is written cause and effect. It's this happens, and because of this, this happens, and because of this, this happens, and because of this, this happens, this happens that is how they write hmm. they when they board when they do their storyboard for their episodes it is strictly cause and effect across the board and that's how they've written every single episode and those rules are important because uh if they weren't able to do that Trey Parker and Matt Stone and the writing team and creating team at South Park would not be able to create episodes of South Park as fast as they do because they only create uh one episode every week and it premieres the same week they made it.
2: Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense because the whole thing is basically like, like that speeds up the the writing process so much because it's just like, hey, come up with silly concept number one, and then, like, okay, well that limits what we can go to next, so then let's go to that, and then build a, off of that, and just keep going. Yeah. God. <laughs> Those guys are way too damn smart for their own good.
1: Yeah, they made a uh, they made basketball, and I love basketball. The movie. Yeah, basketball's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good movie. Anyway, too. that's that's my five minutes, so I'm done. Bye. <laughs> that's not the end of the episode. Yeah. Well, hey, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we're back next week. Uh, Michael, you take the reins. Can we get a mm-hmm. little can we get a little mm-hmm. teaser on what we might be talking about?
2: Uh let's just say it's about uh we're gonna be experiencing a lot of bugs. We're gonna be talking about some uh some things in the developer world. Oh boy, oh boy.
1: We're going to have a tech, a technology episode. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: This episode of Entertain This was written by Nick Mustacangas, with additional commentary from Michael Savoya and Alex Steele. Our theme music is Rush Bubble by Aaron Spencer, with additional music by DJW. Tune in every Friday for new episodes, and thanks for listening.